This is the Chiefs' official podcast network. Take advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hopefully you can smell the sweat and what you smelled in uh, high school gym class because it's training camp, and you can smell it through the sound here because that's the way we're smelling right now. Mitch Holders, the voice with you, along with the barbershop, Sean Barber, 10-year NFL veteran, and training camp is here, but not just training camp, it is pads. Interesting, let's start this way because I've tweeted out, I'm at Mitch Holtis, and uh, – you you kind of retweeted and answered it because I said it's PADS. First A, no acronym, doesn't mean anything except PADS, and you had a nice comeback. Yeah, S-Y-A-U-A-P-O-Y-P. <laughs> My teammates, alumni, people who was part of the Chiefs organization back in 2003, 4, and 5 under Coach Ramil would know whenever you had a doubt of whether we were going to go hats or shells and you saw pads on the schedule, but you, man, you was like, man, this is our third, fourth day straight. I know he ain't putting us back in those pads. You would get to the locker room, and on a grease board, it would be nothing but those letters. Shut your you-know-what up and put your <laughs> pads on. That's all they would say. You, you, you got welcome to, the, welcome to the locker room with the acronym S-Y-A-U-A-P-O-Y-P. Shut your you-know-what up and put your pads on. And you can search him, follow him on Twitter, and you can follow me at Mitch Holtis. But I said, I don't care if you played football at any level. You know what this day means. Your stomach is churning. But this is a game played in pads. I don't want to be simplistic here. And the safety of the game has improved so much. But there is a mentality at training camp, put the pads on, and let her fly. And we're going to start the first quarter is one of my favorite drills. The first quarter of our podcast today is running backs against linebackers. Two days. Saw it. Who likes it? Who wants to learn? Who wants to do it? And doesn't shy away from it. Yeah, I love this drill. You know, uh, that one-on-ones, it's a, it's a blitz pickup drill. You have your, your uh, running backs and your tight ends uh, trying to pick up linebackers attacking through the middle gaps and off the edges. And, and, and I'm going to be honest, the drill is designed for the bull rush um, it's a defensive design drill. It's, de- it's designed for the defense to win the majority of the time. But every once in a while, every once in a while, I remember uh, there was a few running backs in my history that uh, got up under my chin and put me on my back a few times. But uh, it didn't happen that often. But a few times, uh, one of our faithful guys, one of the guys here from Kansas City, O.T. Rich. Oh, he was uh, the best. Uh, uh, he was the best, man. He, he was able he – he had a defensive guy's mentality. Although he was a running back, fullback, uh, he played with a grittiness and a toughness that was – uh, I think more, uh, more, more, more relatable to a defensive-minded guy. Linebackers love the drill because they get about like a five to six-yard head start. But when T. Rich would rep it, they would go, "You know, I got a rock in my shoe. Why don't you go? I've got to tie my shoes here." <laughs> but we see something here in the first couple of days with the running backs, and I love it. The fact Eric Bieniemy's offensive coordinator, but he stays in there. And Delan McCall, I like him too because it's like Bieniemy two point but a guy like Anthony Sherman, the sausage, loves the drill. Who likes it? He likes it. Who wants to learn? He likes to learn and teach. And who wants to do the drill? When he sees it up on the board, he's like, all right, we're going to do it. 
Yeah, that you, mentality. You, well, you see some guys, you know, it's a normal rotation, right? You got the rookies expected to go a few times. The veterans, you go once or twice. Uh, but then you get, you get a couple guys that really love that contact. Really love the opportunity to rise and show, you know, rise to the occasion and show that, hey, I'm about this. I'm, you know, I'm about that action. Um, but you know, it, it, like I said, it's a defensive-minded drill. Um, but you you love to see guys um, step out of their comfort zone. Just because you're a certain height and a certain weight, and you're going against a much taller, bigger guy, that doesn't mean you're going to let them just bull rush you. Um, that's the time to really step up. We had some guys do that today. And I want to add, I, I, let's talk about one of the guys. And I want to get ahead of ourselves here. But I always look at the rookies. I want to see how the rookies do that drill. Darwin Thompson, mm. the rookie out of Utah State, was like, and Sausage has been working with him, and so has, the, has D-Mac and, and uh, Biennemi. But he showed the mentality to me, he likes the drill. Let's go. Let's figure this out. Yeah, if you don't know, now you know. Number 25 is to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Um, not only a return guy, I mean, this guy got a heart. Uh, he got a heart of a lion. Um, and he stood up against the bull rush coming right up the middle, um, set his feet. Uh, now, he didn't always win, but, but, but you could see by the attitude he took. He relied on his fundamentals. He, he planted that foot, uh, sunk his hips, uh, uh, built himself an anchor, and then, and then ran his feet. Um, and all, that's all you can ask for a guy. You can't, you can't ask a guy to be what he ain't. All right? he, he's a certain height and weight. He wasn't gifted, you know, with, with, with 220 pounds, 6'3", and all that, but uh, he gives you so much heart and, and determination and tenacity. Man, I, I, I go fight with that guy any day. My box is to check on this drill. Who likes it? He seemed to like it. Who wants to learn? He soaks in. He wants to learn. Three, who wants to do this drill? Thompson seems like he wants to do it. Now, where it comes back on the linebackers and now it gets flipped on then is they got to cover, and it's – the RBs or tight ends going out against the linebackers, and it's not a fair fight. you got to cover the whole field if you're a linebacker going, well, this ain't real life because i got nine other guys or ten guys helping me. Now you're on the linebacker on that side. What do you learn, and how do you handle that? Well, you gotta, yeah, you, you realize that you know, that side of the drill is now offensive. Uh, it's kind of tilted toward the offense. But as a coach, you're coaching the guys up to – uh, rely on your fundamentals, right? So when that running back takes off, defensive uh, linebackers, you know, stay inside out, close the distance. Uh, we, we call it taking the, take the air out of the route. The running back wants to run a route to create distance, to give him room to shake and shiver and uh, create leverage angles to attack your, your discipline. Well, on defense, we want to we take the air out of that route, get as close to that running back as you can, knock him off his rhythm. Um, don't allow him and the quarterback to be on the same page when it comes to when that, that break point in that route was going to be. But then you got to finish the drill. You always got to run, um, take proper angles to uh, make tackles, your pursuit to the to the football is important. And when you have a chance to get your hand on the ball with the appropriate hand, get your hand on the ball, strip it out. Um, those are the kind of things that even though the, the drill is meant for the offense, defense can get so much work from it. So much work can be um, had on the defense side of the ball when it comes to one-on-one pass coverage. And to me, barbershop, this drill has become more important than just the past five years in this league because the league has become a spread yes. league. I'm going to look for the runt pig. This league is always find the runt pig. And if I'm the backer that's the runt pig who can't handle covering the running back or the tight end and you got to go set down on, mm-hmm. on sub packages, it's not a good thing if you're a linebacker. So I think that drill has taken even more uh, of an impact. Now let's go to the second quarter of our PADS podcast here, and that is the OLDL. 
This, to me, is collegiate wrestling, okay? Not the other stuff, because I cannot believe what I've learned. I, I learn every day watching this. The intricacies of hand placement, footwork, move, move, counter move, punch, counter punch. What have we seen so far? During the D-line individual drill, you know, they're, they're kind of walking through things. Uh, um, the coaches being such a, a – a teacher teaching guys, hey, I want your hand at this exact spot. I want you to punch this. I want you to counter with this. You got to do this with your hips. Then you got to rip. You got to pull. So he, he's, he's taking all. He's taking their pass moves and breaking them down to each segment of 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 the the move and why it's important. And this is a chance for them to like let it all go. All those things you've been coached up with the bags and the one on ones and the hand drills and the hand fighting. Now you got a chance to live uh, a live. Uh, uh, subject to to work on those things with, um, and you saw some guys really step up. Um, you know what you're gonna get from Clark. Clark is gonna be a Tasmanian devil off the edge. Mm-hmm. I love. You know what I love about watching him in one on ones when the ball is hike, you hear him roar. He comes <laughs> like so. So you imagine that offensive lineman like 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 you you hear him coming before he even gets to you, and he already got you wondering what is he about to do. What, is he going to slap me in the head? He going to hit me in the gut? He going to spin move? He going to speed move, power move, bow rush? All those things, and you see that fire in his eye. You love to see, see a guy put the audio, the grunt with the, uh, uh, with the hand placement and with the, um, the skill level. Um, but you see a guy like that, just a constant professional coming off the ball. Uh, and then we got a guy who's unblocked. 95 is unblockable. His length, his height, his ratio, his leverage, his, uh, his motor, uh, when you put him in on one of those guards or tackles or centers, man, I mean, it, it's it's an unfair fight uh, to be against Chris Jones when it comes to one-on-one. People say, well, this isn't real life either because it's five-on-five or five-on, you know, you've got your plan tackle-to-tackle, so I'm never just like one-on-one with no help. However, I will say this, in my brief 26 years of watching this in the league, I have never seen a guy who's good at it, mm-hmm. bad in real-life football. Will Shields was the best I've ever seen at it. I think he was undefeated. In 14 years, he was like 7,922-0 and 0 yes. because he was unbelievable. That segues in now to a couple guys I want to bring up because we look at the headliners, and Frank Clark is like looking at some character from Game of Thrones, right? All right, now let's look at these young guys. Yeah. Khalil McKenzie, 66, and Nick Elgretti, drafted out of Illinois, number 73. They've been doing this drill – at right guard, center, and left guard. I'm asking you to take algebra, calculus, and geometry all in the same semester. What about that, and how does a guy like that, or a guy like those guys handle it? It's a testament to those guys' commitment to learn the, um, you know, because the footwork is different for every position, right? You go from right guard to left guard, you go to center. The footwork is not only different, but then you're not putting them against the same guy. One time you're going against Naughty. Then you're going against 91, then 93, then uh, 98, then 97, I mean uh, 74. So they're, they're, they're using their technique and their footwork, but they're going against a, a guy with a whole different set of skills and techniques and moves uh, to try to battle against. So, I mean, their job is being is extremely um, um, more difficult than, 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 than the, the, the other starters that, you know, um, Fisher and those guys that just, you know, you, you put him in that one position. He's going against Frank Clark every time. He knows Frank loves to go power to speed to, you know, counter move this and this. So he gets to learn what he is. So he has a chance to survival. But our young guys, they're being put in that in that, in that battle zone against fresh, uh, uh, um, um, some fresh wolves that are trying to hunt. 
Um, and they got to they got to learn on the run, and they, and they, they've stepped up um, um, in that one on one drill um, to do to do do at a really good rate. Cam Irving's been doing it too. Cam has played all five positions, I think, in his career so far, and he's was repping second day of pads at right tackle. But I, I I guess the best analogy is for for those guys who have to learn multiple positions. You're asking me to eat breakfast right handed, and lunch <laughs> left handed. And then dinner with both hands. I mean, it's it's it's. I don't want it, to. It's really yeah. fascinating to watch it. And then a, a late night snack with your eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! It, it, I mean, to, to see to see the D line and, and to see those young guys work on different moves, um, uh, like Naughty and uh, you know ninety nine. You know the quick step, the punch, the bull, uh, the counter. Um, you know, man, you have some guys that just you know working on that finish. Uh, um, getting to the quarterback, working on a you know, strip drill, culmination of all those things that you spend, you know, individual period, 15 minutes working on, and then having a chance to see it work and see it uh, flourish and bloom to uh, a possible sack and one-on-one drills. I mean, that's what D-line, you know, that's what it's about. That's working in the trenches right there. That's called, uh, that's how you got to do your work. It's grimy. It's a dirty job, but somebody got to do it. Again, this is our one of our training camp podcasts, pads. That's the only thing we're talking about today. And, again, uh, all that sweat and grime at training camp, hopefully you can uh, kind of feel it with us here. Another thing, we'll go to the third quarter here. So we've had halftime. You know how to do halftime. They're quick in this league, really quick at camp. They blow the horn, you go right back out there. And we're going right back out there with nine on seven. Now people go, well, why would I watch nine on seven? It's boring. Inside run drill. There's no wide receivers. We're just going to run the ball between the tackles, and you find out a lot there. Now, what I saw today was the continued work of teamwork. Mm-hmm. Nine on seven, I've got to figure out where they lining up combo blocks or if I'm on the defense run fits. Nine on seven, the benefit of it, and why do you, should you pay attention watching it if you're a fan? Well, the point of emphasis already is going to be pad level, right? Everybody, when they get tired – uh, cam gets long, your, your your body's a little tired. You you naturally just start your your pad level starts to rise up. Uh, that can only that you know that, that's a, that's a bad thing. You, can, you might get injured. Um, you get yourself in bad habits. Uh, but then it's, it's hard to get your work done when your pad level is high. So the coach is going to be on the guys to keep their pad levels down. And then with nine oh seven, you 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 can really fine tune your attack angles, hand placement, attack angles. It's it's good for the D line. It's good for the O line. Um, it's good for linebackers to, um, you know, shoot their hands and, and know what target when, when they're trying to target to come off a block, disengage, and it's good for the running backs, right? Because you're gonna see, you're gonna have to show your vision, close quarters. You don't have the the, the defense isn't spread across the field. It's close quarters. It's about eight to nine yards between tackle to tackle, and that line is moving together. Those linebackers are coming, linebackers are coming downfield. Everybody knows it's gonna be a run, and you still got to use your proper uh, attack uh, mentality from a running back. Make sure you're on your tracks. You hear running back coaches say, running back, stay on your track. You know, if you're supposed to be keying that, uh, that, that left butt cheek of the tackle on the outside zone, stay on that track until you see some air, and then you cut it up. Um, and, uh, we, we don't speak about this guy enough, but, man, 25. He Again, in 907, he showed up. He's at one of the smallest running backs, but he was uh, one of the biggest uh, impact players when it came to this um, today's 907. And you can't find a target zone on that guy. He kind of, you know, Sproles has made a living in this league for 15 years or whatever. 
well, first of all, he's fast and shifty, but then there's no not, nothing to hit. Yeah. You're trying to tackle a fire hydrant. It's not like I've got, ooh, I got this guy, okay, I got some leverage. But anyway, it's fun to watch him. The other thing with 9 on 7 I've noticed so far is I know Spags is trying to develop a mentality with this mm-hmm. defense where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a persona. But if you can't do it in 9 on 7, I don't think you can do it at all in anything. I know it's a passing league. But if you can't play nine on seven run fits and have a mentality, I don't think you're going to be around long. Yeah, you talk about stopping the run. That was something we we, we felt like last year. Had the team struggle with stopping the run. Um, so nine on seven is where you build that mentality. You build that stop. Hey, we know we, we know the ball's going to get run. They know uh, they're going to try to run the ball. We know where the target's going to be. Uh, every you know every blue moon, the offense does like once out of every five or six plays. They throw a bootleg or they uh, quarterback keeps it or something to kind of keep you honest, but. Uh, the majority of the plays are going to be downhill runs right at you um, to see your fits, uh, to see how you pursue, to see how you disengage, and uh, to see if you can stop that ball carrier. Uh, and, and defense it is a, it is a uh, uh, you kind of hang your hat on being able to stop the run. And so you and Coach Spags is trying to set a mentality, but then you got Coach Bienemy trying to set a mentality too. You hear him telling the guys, "Hey, get your effing hands off your hips. Uh, go out there and get win a job. You want a job? Go win it." And, in that, and it's in that mentality, it's in that 907 mentality where you want men to act like men. Rise up, right? Somebody's trying to take the food off your table. You want to eat, demand your spot at the table. Show that a guy across, you know, inflict your, uh, your will on somebody. Um, it's never an example um, this as clear as 907. The other thing to me in that drill is it's starting to test trust because I've seen that drill get screwed up on either side of the ball because I try to do too much, mm-hmm. or I don't trust you to do your job. I got to do your job and my job. Nope. It's trusting that you'll do it and I'll do it. Same thing on the offensive side. The offensive line, I got to trust my comrades, but I also have to trust the back. Hit the hole like you're saying, or do the one jump cut if we're running zone and you're going to run the cutback lane, or trust in the backside backer is going to be there on the defensive side of the ball. It just seems like that drill is one where you can really micro it down because we talk about trust, but in nine on seven, you could have nothing but trust. Yeah, and let's be honest, it, with, with Patrick Mahomes being the quarterback of this offense, you got to know the ball is going to be aired out all over the field, right? He's going to do his thing. He's going to get the, the ball attacking all seven zones of the pass. If you can pair up a, a uh, even an average run game, but imagine that average run game becomes a little bit above average, uh, top 10, top 12 uh, rushing game in the league, then – uh, again, that's when it comes uh, video game statistics. <laughs> that's when that score starts reaching 40 and 50 points a game. Because uh, when you can't when you can't stop a quarterback from throwing the ball, and then you can't stop him from running, well, that's the only two things they do with the ball. So it's going to be a long day for any defense trying to stop this Chiefs offense if that running game gets to going the way we know it can. Let me give one example where it is real life, and it's the AFC Championship game. Right before the two-minute warning, it's 20-17 to 17 Patriots. And the Chiefs blew those dudes off the ball, and, and uh, Damian Williams goes in at 24-20. to 20, And I'm thinking, we got a shot. Now, we talked about it earlier on a podcast. You can go back and listen to what happened after that. But the point is, the Chiefs won 9-7 on seven to take a four-point lead, not kick a field goal at tied at 20. There we go, real life, third quarter. Now we go to the fourth quarter, and this is something interesting. And you, and you were talking about with me before the podcast. But back-to-back days in pads. Okay, Saturday, cranking it out. Th- I'm sorry, Monday. I'm lost track of days. But the tweet I put out there, walking down the hill, pads. And then to do it back to back. Some guys, and I saw this the first day, looked faster in pads than they did in shorts. It was interesting. McCole Hardman had a big day. 
But the second day to do it back-to-back, what do you look for and how revealing is it? And, and the interesting part is that because I wasn't here yesterday, I just had the exposure today. And so there were certain guys on the field that just stood out to me. Certain guys were bouncing around. Certain guys had a little, uh, uh, a little bit of energy in their step. Um, and they made everybody else look a little bit slow. And what you know is it's not a physical thing. They all was out here practicing yesterday together. But some guys, from a mental standpoint, they can train themselves to continue to go 95%, 100%, even when they're tired, when they're exhausted, the legs hurt. Feel the, the the cement shoes, the the sand kind of you know feel like you you got sandbags uh, around your ankles, but you're able to still force your body to when you have those four or five six reps. Hey, you're gonna go full speed. You're gonna run your route full speed. You're gonna break on the ball. You're not gonna be falling on the ground. Um, that's the thing we heard over and over today. Get off the ground. Get off the ground. Um, as legs gets tired, guys, uh, your fundamental, your technique, your balance, all those things, your equilibrium, um, it pays a price. And the guys that can battle through that from a mental standpoint, those are the guys that in the fourth quarter and overtime you need to be on the field. Those are the guys late in December and in playoff football you're going to need to be on your field. And so from an evaluation standpoint, that, that is when you can really evaluate who the guys you really want to be part of that 53 is day two, day three of pads, coming back from a padded practice, knowing the guys are tired, knowing they're a little bit sore, who can still hone in, focusing, get a line, assignment, and still burst to the football. I see people would say, Barbershop, that, hey, well, this isn't real life. You never play back-to-back games in pads. This isn't baseball. But of all of the things you're mentioning, the mental and physical toughness, emotional toughness, to do this and string them together. Here's the other thing I've noticed. Guys will flash, mm-hmm. then they disappear. But it's the guys who not, don't have to flash, but they're ringing a the bell today. They'll ring it tomorrow, even if it's pads, pads, pads. Yeah, that mental aspect, that, that, that mental toughness takes over. Um, wrapping it out in your mind just mentally. Don't let your body, uh, they say, fatigue, make cowards of us all. Mm-hmm. There are certain athletes that that is not true for. They, 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 they embrace the suck. They, they want that tough, they want that feeling of being exhausted so they can force themselves to push themselves through it. Because then when things get tough, when things start getting, uh, uh, the scoreboard don't look like it, it should and uh, the, the first half didn't go the way it's supposed to, you don't have to worry about that guy uh, coming out at halftime and not, you know, not giving it all. He's, he's conditioned himself to, he only goes one way. It's all out, balls against the wall. He gives 100% effort. He's there for you first quarter like he is in the fourth quarter. Um, you're not worrying about him tapping out. And that's what training camp's about. You want to build that mentality, that trust, that brotherhood, to know, hey, man, I got your back. I'm covering your, your, your six is that military term. But uh, I got your backside. You ain't got to worry about this. You look forward, handle your business, and I got your back. And um, the back-to-back pads, that's where you find out uh, the men from the boys. Here's what fascinates me about Andy Reid. We know he's cutting edge. He's thinking of stuff that nobody's planning for, right? But in his training regimen, I've had talks, I had a talk the other day with him about it. He uses an 18th century and a 19th century military technique that was in Europe where it is a method of kind of varying speeds. You hit it, you hit it, you hit it, you go medium, then you rest, and then but you're ready when you get it's why he gets such great starts, I think. I mean, other than the 2014 season, every year has been off to well, a good start. I guess the one in five wasn't great in 15. But the point is, he's got a training regimen that is, again, it's so old school, it's new school. But 
how much is he trying to see guys who can handle it? Because he, this is all calculated by him. This isn't going, well, let's go pads today and see what we got. He was thinking about this all the way back in February and March. That's where I'm fascinated with this guy. Yeah, and I think it, is, it, is, it, is, it trickles down through the offense coordinator, defense coordinator. You, you just, when you're at training camp, listen, open up your ears. Make sure you just – don't get mesmerized with what's going on in the field. Listen to Coach Enemy. Listen to Coach Spags. Listen to the position coaches. Go fast, go fast. You'll hear him say it over and go finish, go fast. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. We gotta go, we gotta go. You know, in the huddle, out the huddle, off the field, uh, next next squad up, you know, next drill. They they want them to be pushing themselves to go see how fast you can process the information. Because if you can overload your system and still get it done here in training camp when you're tired, when it's back to back and your your legs are tired and you're exhausted, game day becomes easy. And then the coaches can really start throwing things at you and making adjustments, making changes, because they've seen how you face adversity and overcome it. Well, now that trust factor comes in. They trust you can handle it. They're able to move on to the next phase of things. And so, like you said, Andy is using something from the uh, archives of, of military from the 18th century, but it, it's, it's, it's proven today to still work. And so, uh, you know, he knows he's, he's, forgetting more, he's forgotten more football than I ever knew in my life. So we take our hats off to old Coach, Coach Big Red. And he's strategic, and he loves to build tough teams, and he is tough. People look at him, he's a nice guy, and, well, he's grandpa. You know, he's got great grandkids and a family and stuff. I'm telling you, the dude is tough, and he eats up these pad practices. He's seeing everything, and it's, uh, it is fun to watch it. Final thing as we uh, move on here at training camp is, because there will be days in shells then, then they'll have a day off, mandatory but how much is building one week on the next important for these guys, particularly when you go back? Because here's the deal. You're in pads, you're in pads, whoop, shells, day off, you go right back to pads. That's right. How about building on it week to week? Well, it ain't no warming up, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it's pedal to the metal. When, it, when, it, when, when it's time to put those pads on, uh, I, I, would, I'm, I'm, I feel sorry for the guy who thinks that there's going to be a period or two of uh, uh, let's ease into this thing. <laughs> when the pads are on and you walk down that hill, you better be lathered up ready to go. Because they jump right into seven on seven, nine on one on one. Uh, these are contract, contact, high intensity drills. And like I said, you got to be ready to roll. So um, whether you're coming back from a day off, uh, lick your wounds, get your rest. Uh, but when you wake up that morning, you know those pads going on. You better be uh, rearing with that. Them RPMs revved real high because uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those days where we say uh, you run around like that, like the grounds on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to stay on fire with these podcasts. All right, Barbershop, we just keep moving forward in camp. Here's the Barbershop. I am the voice. As uh, hope to see you in St. Joe. Come up and say hi. And, of course, enjoy our other podcasts in the trenches uh, with BJ and Nick Leckie. But we're going to keep bringing it from here in St. Joe. And, yes, we'll put the pads back on. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs Official Podcast Network.